Hi, this is Charles Wiz. And Tony Silva. And we're Two Teachers Talking. And as we always say at the beginning of our podcast, and by the way, this is episode number 97, which means we're getting to that magical 100 number, Tony and I talk about things related to education and teaching and English teaching in Japan, ups and downs, ins and outs, things we do right, things we do wrong, more of the latter than the former. And we're coming on our beginning of a new semester once again, Tony. That's right. Said enthusiastically. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it amazing how it's uh, that we have these great vacations, and I enjoy the vacations, I enjoy the teaching, but there's just something about your vacation time running out that is just heartbreaking. Well, it's just like when you're a kid, right, at the end of summer vacation, and it's like that September is coming, and it's like every day you wake up, it's like, okay, that's one less day. <laughs> Yeah, and as we get older, it's like uh, we think about that for life. It's one less day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's morbid. No, oh, thanks, yeah. Charles. I hadn't thought about that, but here we are. <laughs> here we are, both of us over 60. or um, Not yet. I'm going to be 60. Mm. After this podcast, it'll be the next month, so it's kind of strange. But, yeah, so it's another semester coming up. And what we've traditionally done at the beginning of the year has talked about how we start the classes, what we do. Our, I think our common theme has been, what, the same mistake again? Hmm. And uh, today I think we're talking about things we do that are obvious to us maybe, or things that we do that reduce our workload. Uh, simple things that we've implemented over time that seem to make our life better, cause us to have to do less paperwork or less mundane things or anything that makes actually the running of the class smoother rather than the direct teaching. Is that pretty much what we're doing today? Yeah, yeah. It's not not really time management, but At all, yeah. all, <laughs> kinds, all kinds of little things that we, you know, and again, we do them and some, we, a lot of these things has become habits or just patterns and we don't think about them anymore but what we did is we stopped and took a look and thought about them again um and try to put together a bunch of little things that uh help us make smarter use of our time or little things that maybe can clip seconds or minutes from um, repetitive tasks that hopefully taken as an aggregate might um, be able to save people some time, and and even even for us, right? Us, because I know that myself in pre preparing for this, so I was like, okay, I thought of some ways to save some se seconds off of this, or shave a couple of minutes here and there, and so um, I hope it'll be useful. Yeah, yeah, yes, and it's not a, as you said, a time management thing, and it's not which apps are best. It's really things that we do that help us cut down our time on tasks or just t doing stuff that's just not fun. Yeah. So, and I kind of, I kind of tricked you into this because um, I think that this is an example of what this is, this practice here, this approach or whatever you want to talk about this area of, um, of teaching practice. I think it's one of those areas that you're, you are much better at than I am. I'm the worst at this. Um, I am continually guilty of making more work for myself um, I tell myself that it's better teaching. It's making my teaching better. But and I, inside, it's like I know it's not right. Like <laughs> tricking? I'm real. I'm real bad. I'm real. No, no. Tricking you. Tricking you is absolutely the right thing to do. But uh, making making that. myself busier than I need to be. Uh, 
uh, is uh, just silly. And I find myself doing it. And I think maybe uh, as we, you know, in our discussion, maybe other people will realize that maybe they're, they're kind of doing the same thing. An interesting article that I read, and I think I shared it with you, that that the uh, about leadership in business, but it's equally applicable to, to teaching and things. The myth of busyness, right? This um, romantic, especially in Japan, right? The Romantic ideas. Oh, I'm working so hard. Oh, I'm so busy. Um, and the the idea that um, that being busy and doing it and, and yeah, being busy um, means that you're getting a lot done. And it ain't necessarily true. And it's a lot of times the things that are making you busy are not making your teaching better. And sometimes they're having the opposite effect. So hopefully we can sort some of that stuff out too. Yeah, that's a very good point because. I think that to get your head around this issue or how I really get around this issue is my goal is to be able, when somebody says, how are you doing to say, I'm not busy at all. I'm just doing my teaching. In other words, I, this is, you're so right in that, you know, this thing about being busy, this is the modern world. You're supposed to be busy. And if you say, I'm not busy, got a lot of free time, people think that you're a lazy screw mm, you're up. You're suspect, right? yes. You're suspect, exactly. Whereas I'm thinking to myself, the people who, I think, I used, I, I knew a guy, it was a friend for a while, and it's like one of those people who come to Japan, spend some time in Japan, and then go back to their home country. Um, and God, how many of those friends have we had, right? Mm -hmm, that have mm -hmm. gone away. But this guy, um, amazing guy named David. And David worked for um, a company uh, that did some technical stuff. And they had a Japanese subsidiary. And he was brought in because the Japanese subsidiary was like underperforming. In fact, out of their subsidiaries all over the world, I think it was the lowest level performing subsidiary and he came in and within a year this is amazing to me that he had moved it up into like their top 20 percent their top tier of effective and performing subsidiaries hmm. and it was always interesting talking to him how he did things but i said hey you know how do you spend your day and so this guy David, he goes through <laughs> his day and he says i get into the office and then I sit outside and I smoke a cigarette. You know, this is back when he smoked and smoking was more acceptable. You know, he says, and I use that time to talk to people, find out what's going on because a lot of people would smoke and go outside. And that was a good time, he said, to get information, find things out, communicate with people. And then he said he'd go back to his office and he would just work from about until, you know, from nine o'clock until 12 o'clock. And I said, so what do you do after that? He says, well, noon or I have... midnight? <laughs> noon uh, or midnight? Right, sorry, noon, noon. Okay, good. Okay. <laughs> just yeah, checking. Yeah. It's, it's a productivity story. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> and so he's then to have lunch. And he then said something like afterwards he would, you know, just work with people, help people. Um, and I said, well, what do you mean? I mean, you got all your work done? And he pointed something out to me, which he said, that most people can't work really effectively for more than a couple of hours at a time. And that he would just focus really hard. And what he could get done in those three hours was what most people would get done in eight hours or so. I used to be and like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But his point <laughs> was that if you're focused, you can get as much done as you would in eight hours. Mm. And I think he said sometimes he would play computer games or something while he was at work. But the point is that he was not into being busy. 
he was a businessman. He wasn't an educator. He wasn't anybody who's doing nonprofit. This was a guy who was really driven to make his company, his organization as profitable and perform as highly as possible. And he had no problem saying, yeah, I work three hours a day, basically really hard. And the rest of the day is just helping people become more productive. So I like that. And that's kind of what I've aimed for, except I'm just lazy. And I want to do as little work as possible. <laughs> so everything I say comes from that. So should we just head into it with that as Let's a Let's go. Let's go. Okay. Yeah. All right. So I'm just going to, I think maybe I'll say something, you say something. Should we do one of these back and forth things? Okay, we can do that. That's good. Or like let's that. see where it goes with the question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fine. I'm gonna it's it's good with... to keep the pace. We get we get a lot of little things in and we can cram in a lot of yeah. stuff. And that's okay. true. A lot of this is just a lot of little things yeah. that just make a difference. And I'm going to start off with the one that really has made a big difference for me is that I don't take role anymore or Japanese shiseki. I don't take role anymore. I have a quiz at the beginning of my classes and you know, students come in, they get together in their groups, they do their review. Boom, I put them down, they do a quiz, and if the, if I'm really organized, the quiz is on um, like Socrative or a Google form, and I have my attendance. It's done automatically for me, right? The Google form, for example, or Socrative will output a spreadsheet, and I do not have to sit around and call roll for students. Although we have talked about this in the past, that that's a good way for you to learn student names. Yes. Yep. But, but the time saver. Right. Is really nice because I've now knocked off two birds with one stone. I have a quiz score and I have attendance and the quizzes can't be made up. And this so is one of those things that doesn't have to be um, all or nothing, right? You can mix it up. You can take attendance sometimes. You can do the quizzes sometimes, obviously, right? There's some days you really time constraints. So yeah, combine the quiz and the attendance check. Other times, you know, maybe not so much and you want to make it more personal or um, yeah. So but yeah, or you can put really... you can put the quiz at the end, right? Yeah, the, but the great thing is is that I don't have to worry about attendance, right? And that's and five for... minutes, ten minutes, right? All right off the bat, and, uh, it's about five minutes, right? And for those people who are not teaching in Japan, and I don't know about other countries, but attendance is a real. It's like the most important thing here. Yes, <laughs> it's like it's considered the major metric. So that's a big saver, and the key there is also that. It's using something like Google Forms or Socrative, which we've talked about before, that so that I get the spreadsheet. And you can link, for example, in Google Forms, you can link that form to a, a, a currently existing spreadsheet. And so it's very nice. And so the scores are just going up. So that's one thing I do. How about you? Um, I mean, you know, again, you talked about basic, basic things. Just, just um, Yeah, let's do basics. To remember to recycle and um, from year to year, but also from class to class. If you use something in one class, you think about it, you can use it the same material, the same activity, the same task in a different class. Um, but not just the materials, right? But of course, again, no brainers, tests, but uh, even including blog content, um, other study guides and things. So, for example, uh, for a number of my classes, I have these running web pages or blogs or whatever. Um, and a lot of the classes, you know, year to year follow a very similar pattern. It makes no sense to write the same blog entry year after year after year. What I do at the end of the year is like I download the 
the blog for that year, store it in the folder for, for that particular class. And then in the coming year, uh, it's like, oh, we're, we're, we're coming up on, on this topic again or, or this um, series of things. And say, okay, I've got all that and I've got all the links. I just go back to the web archive, pull it out of last year's and post it in this one. So ditto study guides. I mean, I, you may, I make something for, for example, I've got uh, the communication classes with um, cooking and making and doing things. And I've got um, a three or four page study guide. It's like I've done it once and I've got it for X number of years. Um, yeah, that seems like a no brainer, but we forget. <laughs> um, we end up you know, doing something, making something for a class and it's like, okay, well, you know, label it, hang on to it, and you use that same thing again. Don't have to do the same thing over and over again. Yes. And when you okay. download the blog, you're downloading it as a text file, or are you doing that? You use WordPress, I think. Uh, I use WordPress. What I what I do is um, I uh, on Apple on a Mac. Uh, I go to Safari and I go to the page, and it says one of the options is to you go to any web page. You can save as a web archive. And it sucks down everything. It sucks down the formatting. It's a, it makes a, a basically in one package, literally a package, um, not only the text for that web page, but all the assets associated with it. So the text, the formatting, the links, and all that. And it's there. And it's a one it, on, the, on the computer, it looks like one file. So it'll say, you know, Osaka University. 2017 blog dot web archive and you double click on it it opens up in a browser and it looks like the last day of the blog did on the web page on, on, on the and internet and then how do you use that in just the in the copy following and year paste. just copy, copy and paste. paste because you can also i think in wordpress you can download an archive of the wordpress yes yeah also and do that Okay. Yes, yes, you do the same. You can you can just save it as a WordPress and then just create something new, right? Sure. And then you just start a new WordPress blog and direct it to that file or something and upload this file yes. and use this file, right? Okay. Yeah, the the blog um, class website really really a pain to set up. But it's unbelievably useful. It's it's a great time saver. This is um, where I think it's really good. Is that mm. so? Let's say you're teaching a class. You've never um, taught the class, or you've taught the class, and you create the web page for that. And it's going to be week by week. And what happens is when you're doing that week by week thing, and you're building it, and you're adapting and changing it that you're creating a really good record of what you've done. So for example, at my university, they actually say that we have to keep a record of what we do week by week with you know assignments and links. So I just always say, if you have any questions, you go to my webpage, my website, and you can see exactly what happened. But where it came out really wonderfully, what was great is that last year we had to teach a new course and nobody knew how to teach this course, but I we submitted the general syllabus and everybody understood that this was a working document and that people were going to be developing the course. But after, by doing this every week and seeing how things were developing, I would plan the next class out, get the activities. By the end of the year, I had a, a document about what I had done. So when it came we were asked to submit a detailed syllabus, a week-by-week -week syllabus with activities and everything that we're doing to the administration. I just had to copy and paste my website. 
my webpage for that class. And I sent them an incredibly detailed document, I think far more than they were expecting. And it was great. I had I had a document that I could refer to. Um, and now I can reuse just as you suggested. So using a we website, not just as a way to communicate with students, but as creating a really good record that you can access and use for the following year and refer back to at any point in time is a real time saver. I, I think that saved me easily two hours, three hours of work. Sure, sure. And and you and do and using that, um, using a, a web page like that also helps you just with your own week to week planning because you know as we all do we forget well what did we do last week yes um, yes if yes you, if yes, you've got yes. a web page if you get that web page <laughs> you know exactly what you did and what you got what you told them right exactly um, and they can't say they well they try to say i didn't know what to do <laughs> And, and, and my, we have a I, and actually, in my student evaluation, students' comments, kids have said that they appreciated having the web page because they have the, they have it in writing what we did and what we're going to do. I've had yes. students' comments thanking for thanking me for that, so that's nice. Um, similarly, and it's like, well, okay, there's people out there say, well, I'm not I'm not going to make a web page for all my classes. Okay, yeah, and I don't make web pages for all my classes either, um, but. Um, that doesn't mean there aren't things that you can do to make that easier. Uh, and this is something that I kind of, we've talked about all these different pieces, but I never really put it together this way. Um, and I'm not sure that it, it you know, it's going to work for anybody. I'm not sure that it works for me, but um, I think most of us at some point at the end of the class, um, we, we may or we may not like talk about what we did to summarize what, what was done. And then we explain to the class is like, okay, what for next week, you know, what are we going to do in class? What do you need to do to prepare for that? Wherever it is, you're just like, okay, when you're doing that, um, and I, I whip out your phone, put it on dictation, have it record what you say to some, you know, some text app. Then, okay, not a class, I don't do class blogs. Okay, fine. You got your own records, whatever. From that from that document, wherever that's just taken your dictation, you can copy and paste what you told the students into, into your record so that you know, okay, this is, or you don't have to copy and paste it, but the, the information is there. Oh, yes, I did tell them to do those pages. And like, oh, no, darn it, I forgot to tell them. You know exactly what you said. And so when the next week and you've got your class, you know exactly what's there. And if you get good enough at this, at the dictation, actually, you can actually cut out the actual, your records of what you did in class and just copy and paste into your, you know, whatever tool you're using to keep records for your classes. Um, That's a great I idea. See, I can see that being like a real time saver for, for some, depending, if you work it into your flow of record keeping, right? Mm, that's a really good idea. And so that's um, a good way for people who don't want to bother with a website, don't want to be too technical to get a record. But I just realized you can do that. There's some automations where you could actually have that automatically moved into a file. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, you're, yeah, you're I'm ahead of me and exactly that. is it, right? right. It's like, yeah, is that, that could all be automated. Yeah, with which is, sometimes it gets really geeky and it's a real pain in the neck. And what's the the joke that I spent two weeks automating a five a one minute task? That's right. <laughs> I love that. I love that line. 
Um, but there's ways where, for example, you can say on creating a new recording dictation, take this and add it to <clears throat> the end of a file. Mm, there you go. I think, right, Drafts does that. Yes. The iPad, iPhone, uh, we've talked about drafts before, I think. Uh, it's just yes. a note-taking app that's really excellent. But it has a great function where you type something in and you can just say append to or prepend to and then specify the file. And suddenly you've got a complete record and you haven't even typed anything into your computer. It's a brilliant idea, Tony. Can and you can also use you can also for example use Siri just like if you have an existing text file you can just tell like for example in um, notes right append to and it'll just take whatever you say and it'll automatically append it to the file there's no intermediate tool whatsoever it goes directly to the file Good point yeah Zazoom yeah <laughs> there, That's there's a some time great right one. yeah right but again the automation thing is it takes a long time the first time you do it, and it takes a long time the second time you do it. it <laughs> ironically, the huh? Third time. Pardon me? I ironically, right? Nothing takes right. more time than automating your tasks. It's really... No, nothing takes more time. But it's, wor but it's the worth it, The first right? and second time you automate a task. Uh, okay. Once you get it down, once you get it down. So, for example... Ta let's move on to automation for just okay, um, and we get a little techie here. Automation yeah, you're, is one you're, of yeah, those this things. Is, yeah, what I hear. Automation is one of those things that gets really, really crazy. Um, but there are apps that have built-in automation, and one of those is Drafts, which is a paid-for app that is for the iPhone and the iPad. It's not for any Android phone. It doesn't work on the Mac. But it's one of those apps where, for example, you have something you want to write. You just start writing, and then afterwards you decide what to do with it. And that change of just writing something down as soon as I think about it, and then later figuring out what I want to do, given the automations that are built into it, is unbelievably, what's the word, beneficial? Yeah. And, and, I, and the, the, the important point, you, you mentioned it, and I'm going to underscore it, the automations that are built into it. Right. So this isn't something that you need to build yourself. This, is, this, this application comes with 20, 30 different actions that can be done with whatever text you uh, it's, it's type like it's or hundreds. speak into it's it. has got to be hundreds yeah. or something. Right. Yeah, yeah. You if you go to the web page, there's even it. more. Yeah, yeah, there's, yeah, there are hundreds. Right. And there are other apps. For example, I know that, um, again, we're talking Mac-oriented, iOS-oriented apps, so <clears> um, no, no hate mail, please, from Windows and Android users. But, for example, the apps, I think... Airmail and Spark have built-in automations where you just tap and get it to do something. So, for example, translation text, we're translating something. I get a lot of emails. I don't want to read through everyone. And instead of, okay, I got to drag, I got to copy, and then I got to go to Google Translate, open up Safari, et cetera, et cetera, I just have to make like two taps. And on iOS, you have the automation app workflow, which is kind of not so bad to use. You can set things up. So I've, and it comes with built in automation. So the translation one, for example, is just two taps versus tap, drag, copy, 
right, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So learning automation is something that you will despise in the beginning and you will think it's become a sinkhole for a black hole of your free time. But mm -hmm. after the third one or the fourth one, it does get really easy. And the other thing you can use, there are two other automations that are um, universal that are web-based. If this, then that, right? Okay, IFTT yes. IFTT and Zapier or Zapier. Mm -hmm. um, Zapier is a paid thing and it has a, like, you can do a hundred zaps. Basically zaps are just uh, an IF, if this, then that are just, if this situation occurs, which is called a condition, you then trigger it to do something, make it do something. So I'm building um, a new website and I'm using a different system, but I found out that with Zapier, I can have blog entry, I can enter a new row into a Google sheet and that will automatically send it into my website and into the pre-published area. And I don't even have to open the website to look at it. And I can just type in the information into each cell, date, class, the activities, the links, and it's automatically going to go into my website and be formatted automatically for me properly. See, that's and, the kind of stuff, that's the stuff I was talking about, the stuff that you're really good at that I can't do. <laughs> that's just because you haven't done it. Maybe. Right? It's just because I'm so lazy. I don't, I don't trust it. I don't trust it. It's, it's, I, I, I'm going to test it even more thoroughly mm. in, from April. But so far, I, I tested it out a couple of times and I just looked and it was like, let me see if I have this right. So I have the Google spreadsheet and it has like, you know, first column is the class name. Mm. The second column is the date. The third column is like classwork and then you put in the classwork. The fourth column is homework and then the fifth column is additional comments. And so you just type that into the cells and it automatically set that when a new row is created in the Google Sheet, the Zapier app, whatever you want to call it, will pick it up and then send it into my, my, my blog, my website. Hmm. And I like that, but it's also what I'm going to do is I'm going to set that up for some teachers in my department, I think, hmm. and say, look, I've created a little blog for you, and all you have to do is enter this, use this Google spreadsheet. And that's to help people get a little more automated and work more quickly. Because um, as you said before, the students always, always in the end of the year evaluations or end of the semester evaluations, they always comment on the website being really useful. So, and the other thing, by the way, I just want to add, it's um, for your website, and this is something that's really important to do, is to run it through a vocab, a vocabulary tester. You know, like a um, Lex to the complete Lex Tutor that has a Paul Nation's vocab profile on it, or some kind of vocab vocabulary levels thing, because you will be surprised at how easy it is to write your your blog or your class website with words the students don't understand or probably sure. don't understand. D does does Grammarly do that? I don't. Grammarly think... does a level, a general levels check, but I'm not sure if it does it specifically check, yeah. specifically vocabulary. Um. Speaking the of which, Hemingway, 
Hemingway will give you reading level. Mm. By the way, and those are two things, Grammarly and Hemingway, are, that should be integrated into your workflow, save lots of time, and also make your students use them and save yourself time, especially for writing assignments. Not only save yourself time, but improve their writing, <laughs> yeah, improve and, your own writing. And it's, they're just tools that are available. There's no reason to argue against them any longer. They will, yeah, they will, they will make you a better anyhow. writer. Yeah, you, and it, yeah. yeah, they're tools, right? They will make you a better writer, and and surprise, surprise, it's going to make them better writers too. It's not doing the work for them; it actually makes them better writers. My favorite <clears throat> thing about Hemingway, um, and it's called Hemingway App. Yeah, well, I'll put the is, links in there. Right, is that it gives the reading level, and they actually clearly say, like, the lower your reading level, the better your writing. Hmm. So instead of saying, oh, look, I, I write at a university level. Nobody can understand that, this. That means nobody can understand <laughs> you, right? And you're really aiming for like a third grade level. And it's mm. that's not just for second language. And it's not bad. <laughs> that's the main point, clarity, right? Clarity is not bad. simplicity is not a negative, right? Simplicity is good. Yes. So those <laughs> are some things that can be used. But websites making your own blog it gives you a record and for people who are working at universities i cannot tell you enough how that whenever there's a question about what are you doing in class every time i just say here's the link to the class if yep. you have any questions yep. and i have never had anybody ever come back to me <laughs> because there's also the fact that having your own website or having your own blog is an indication to the university that you are organized, you are together, you are dealing and using tech in a positive way. I've never had to clarify. And then, as I said, if you do this by your first year and just detail and write down and create the links, when somebody asks you for the syllabus, you know, I sent, I sent a five-page syllabus. <laughs> the university wanted, what did you do? What are you doing in this class? And I sent a five-page syllabus that had exactly mm. what I was doing week by week. So it's a, that's just a big time saver over time. Yep. And that's the big, by the way, the big mind shift you have to make. I'm saving time, not in the immediate moment, but in the long term. That's so an next important year, point. Huh? Next, yeah. So you're, no, you're typing away, you're struggling, you're banging your head. And you think, why am I doing this? Why am I doing this? I'm spending two days to do this. But what it means is next year, you're going to spend, what, 15 seconds to copy and paste. And it's done and your students will be grateful. Okay. What else are you doing, Tony? Um, again, no brainer. Uh, this is, this is something that you, you know, we, anybody does anytime. Um, but just take, you know, right now, right? So we're getting ready for a new year. Take a ruthless examination of what you're doing for your classes and really something like what is and what isn't necessary. I have a sense that like, not, not only everybody out there, me too. Um, there's all kinds of stuff that I do for my classes that is not necessary. A lot of things to do that is not necessarily resulting in better learning for the students. I, I, I do it because I'm comfortable doing it. I, I do it because I've done it the last 20 years. Um, does it make sense? Um, you, you, if you're making spreadsheets for your classes, all right, how... How much time do you spend making them pretty? Does that really, is it really make a difference? Does it help? Um, you know, with materials and things, when you're, if you're making materials for classes and things, it's really easy to get hung up on, you know, typeface and making it pretty. And not that that's not important, but don't do it without 
realizing that those are all conscious decisions that either will take time or will save time. Is that okay if you like for myself? And then, and this is maybe this is not necessarily a time tip, but it can be a, a monetary tip for those of us who buy our own ink. Um, when I make materials for classes for the last X number of years, um, almost the, the like the default font, the typeface is um, Helvetica or Helvetica Noi light. Well, well, why is that important, Tony? Well, it's yeah, why is that important, guy? Because on a given page of print, you're probably using a third or a half of the amount of ink than you would like, for example, using some, God, something like Chicago. <laughs> I mean, it's probably, that's probably like only using 20% of the ink. But in terms of like, you know, like even like Times, Times New Roman, the, le- the, 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 the font itself, I mean, the, the letters are thick. Helvetica light, there's, the letters are much smaller. I mean, they're, the, the actual lines, ligatures are tiny. Uh, light and you use a lot less ink and ink is so insanely expensive yeah but not way, only do you save the money in that but you don't you sit down i don't think about okay what kind of typeface i'm using i'm using helvetica light done what's really amazing is someone calculated the cost of computer printer ink <laughs> per liter have you seen this no but i i've, I've seen like, different it's like a thousand it's like a thousand Dollars a gallon? per liter. No, per liter. Per, <laughs> per liter. liter. It's, it's a, or something. It's outrageous. insane. It's insane. Yeah. That's a great idea um, if you're going to print out a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and some people I've do. Like, like, for example, write down a thesis or something. It's like 50 or 60 pages. you got to print and then reprint and reprint it. And there's, that's a lot of money. There is toner saving mode for laser printers that does the same mm. thing. Prints it mm. lighter and... But I avoid that completely by putting the link on the web page, and I require my students to download it. And if they can read it on their oh, document, right, yeah, right, right, right. But there's yeah. just some things you sometimes you have to print, right? Yeah, I Rarely. do the same thing. I don't, I don't. Yeah, I try to avoid the whole print it out, go make photocopies, hand it out in class. It's like, no, no. Here's the link. The link right. is on your it's- web page. Go there. <laughs> Sorry, you know, it's and there. you don't have to print it out. You don't have to print it out. It's right there. And uh, yeah, by the way, here's a, a techie thing talking about links. It's okay to move on? on yeah, this? yeah, yeah. Go, go, um, go. That most people I know when they make a document, they'll make it like a Word document or they tend to uh, print it out, um, make it a PDF mm-hmm. because those are real print-related files. And what I found out is that instead of doing that, I just create a new web page for that document and make it a web page. Mm-hmm. So even if a student has a phone, it's readable. Sure. There's so, not um, any of that. You so know, that web page. Yeah, that web page that you create, where do you put it? I mean, where do you host it? Where is it sourced? Mine right now? Yeah. I use something called Ghost. Um, but that's because it's a. That's now I'm getting geeky because it uses that Markdown system. Okay. But it would be yeah. the same thing as if you were using WordPress. So what you would do is instead in WordPress, um, and this is going to sound a little techy, but basically what happens, you have your web page for your class, and in WordPress you click to add a file, and mm-hmm. what you traditionally do is you would then click and upload your Word file or the PDF that you have, and then students would be able to click on that link and then either download or view that document. But what's going to happen is it's going to be really tiny and small on the phone, right? Mm. But what you would do instead is copy 
the text of that document, that Word document, let's say, and then you would then make a new page. Okay, so you're actually you're creating an HTML file yes, that, yes, that is yes. then adaptive to whether they're using a exactly. tablet or a phone or a PC exactly. rather than a PDF. So, sure. Right, and so that's what you're linking to, and they can still download it. Yes. If they want. But what happens is on that tiny phone, it scales. Yes, yeah, yeah. WordPress or whatever, uh, Ghost, whatever, takes care of that for you and it presents it to them in a readable format. Got it. So, right. So now you don't have the problem of those, you know, the kids kind of going, hey, I can't read this, you know, <laughs> stuff like this. But the fact that that alone, having those downloadable links or the links, and I have to, I don't have to, you know, a student comes in and doesn't do the homework, you zero. I don't have to explain it. Yeah, I just think about Did the time you, you spend in front of the, the risograph or the or the photocopy machine, right? Cha ching, cha ching, cha ching, cha ching, cha ching. And then and then you get the one in the summer, right? When it's summertime, you know, it's like July, and it goes cha ching, cha ching, cha ching, because the humidity, all the papers are stuck together. Right, that's a great point. If you really stop and think, how much time do you spend in front of a copy machine? And think about how much time you're saving people who are copying for you because at some school one school you're, you're not really allowed to copy people are not allowed to copy no okay you have yeah. to request copying so you're either putting somebody out of a job <laughs> it's kind of like using the self-serve at the uh, well i'm sure they got other register. things to do too yeah. yes that are more enjoyable but think about uh, i do not want to spend time in front of a i had no. a job in college where I had, um, uh, I took a semester off and I spent eight hours a day and I was working at a copy office running a Xerox machine uh -huh. for eight hours a day. Hey, was, copy guy. <laughs> I doing? was copy guy. That was worst <laughs> job ever. Really, really, really was like the worst job, second worst job ever. And hmm. um, so you're saving yourself a lot of time because you're offloading it. Yes, you're saying, but the students shouldn't have to pay. Some of the students don't have printers. Well, they all have access to printers at the school. And at a certain point, you have to teach students that, excuse me, it's university. I take my work. I only accept computer printed work, especially upload. We'll get into that, the advantages of uploading the work, right? Mm -hmm. Versus taking stuff in by hand. But that I don't, I don't I'm almost never in front of the copy machine anymore. Hmm. It's really great. And oh. that's, I don't, that's a big time saver. Yep. Yeah, that's um, worth yeah. weeks, I think. Yeah, 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 for sure. Okay, so zooming ahead. Um, also a little bit back to spreadsheets, right? So um, many of us, hope most hope many of us, um, using spreadsheets for our classes. When you're in a class, you've got your, whatever, your, your, your PC or your tablet open to the spreadsheet you've got you know students names whatever you've got on there i always have pictures and student photos mm. too but you probably maybe also maybe on another sheet in the spreadsheet you got your class plan too well <clears throat> in that spreadsheet there's probably some other useful information that you might want to just throw there just so that you got it in front of you in class like for example um the uh don't don't do this <laughs> you should never do this of course but um your login id and your password for the uh network in that particular classroom of course it's a terrible idea to terrible idea to put your password in that spreadsheet so never do that however if you were to do it it'd actually be very handy um 
uh, 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 just a dedicated link to the, the the blog for that class, whatever it might be. Um, <clears throat> an emergency phone number in case a student falls seriously ill, there's an accident of some other kind. Um, who do you call? Because you're not going to be able to find it when you're panicking and the kid is foaming at the mouth on the floor. Um, and, you know, other critical phone numbers. Um, maybe the train schedule, you know, okay. Um, what time are the, are the afternoon trains and when, which one can I, can I can't catch? Um, and for individual teachers, there might be other things too. Um, there might be, for example, um, textbook, you know, the, the publisher's textbook resources might have a web page. You want to include that link on the spreadsheet too. If you have on that, that, that class spreadsheet, all, the things that are relevant to the teaching, all the things that might be in terms of like useful in terms of emergencies, and also you know whatever is like personally useful for you, like the train schedule, put that on the on the spreadsheet. Other little like little you know little notes that you might want to do for later in the in the semester or a reminder to yourself not to put it on the spreadsheet. It's all there in one spot when you're in class. It's and you don't need to look for anything. It's always right there. So that can save you some time. And of course, this is being backed up somewhere. Oh, well, it's a, that's a duh. Um, yeah, I'm everything. I'm how, how many people it, don't back up. Ah, uh, uh, yeah. But yeah. Still. And, and still. I tell, that was one of the things I tell my students. One of the things it's like, you know, I said, this is for free. This is the most <laughs> valuable information you get from this class. Back up everything you've got, at least in two different places. What's if the you only got one copy, if you only got one copy, it's, it's, it's the same as having no copies. You get, right. it, it's not enough. You need two different backups if mm -hmm. it's important. And if it's not important, then, then why are you doing it? But if it's worth right. having, if it's worth doing, it's worth keeping, then you need at least two other discrete backups. And absolutely, one that's outside absolutely. of your country. Yeah. yeah. Hopefully in the cloud. Mm. I like that saying, there are two kinds of people in the world, those who have lost data and those who will. Mm -hmm. And that's so true. So teach and a real time saver. And you've put put it so well. Is you got to tell your students to back up. Because yeah, that's going to save you time. Because what's going to happen is the student's going to come in and say, <laughs> "I lost, I lost my file." And then you say, "Well, you you have your Dropbox account, right? Or you have your school account, or you have your Google account, or you have your iCloud account." They go, "Yeah." Then I say, okay, I told you it's on the syllabus. And by the way, that's the reason it's great to have it. It's on the website, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> you say, see, it says here. If you lose a file and and you um, it's not an excuse because you're required to back up, mm. so that's a real time saver. Hence, kind mm. of segueing into a weird way, a real little trick that'll save you trouble, maybe not so much time. And oh, actually, let me back up first. A real major shift that I made and that I think has really helped me is that submissions have to be made online. They're digital submissions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And at first there's resistance, especially for freshman students who are not used to computers. But although I, this last year, Tony, I don't know, I noticed the freshman class, a lot more students bringing computers to class on a daily basis. It's been it's Did been happening. It's progressive, it, and it's for me. It's different from school to school. At, at some of the schools, one of the schools where I teach, it's it's been uh, not uncommon. Ugh. I hate the double negatives, but it's it's been more common starting like five or s five to seven years ago. But 
as you point out, it, it's becoming more and more common in more and more schools. Certainly, yeah, a big trend. And um, all, along with that, a much, much less resistance um, to digital submission than like even like two years ago. Right. And what you do for this is you go to Gmail, for example, and you create an account that is just for the submissions. And there are other services, and we could talk about how you can automate this. But what you do is you create um, an account and with Google. And the great thing about using Gmail, and this is that trick I think I told you about, where you add the plus. The aliases, yes. Thank you very much. Yeah. That, that was a lifesaver. Right. Yeah. Do you want to exp so you can explain that after we're done, or after I'm done on this part. But what happens is students can submit their homework as an attachment. And where this becomes really, really great is when you have a problem where you think there's some plagiarism. And you can copy and paste and do a Google search for the text to see whether or not it's been plagiarized. But in Microsoft Word, there's under the file properties statistics these are different menus or submenu, submenu, submenu. There's a thing that actually shows you when the file was created and how many times it's been edited. And I don't know how many times I've turned to a student that I felt that there's plagiarism and I can't match it up, but I turn to the person and I say, you know, you opened this file on this day at this time and there are no revisions, there are no edits and you then submitted the file five minutes after. I would like to see your drafts, please. And there's really nothing they can do in that situation. And that gives you, you know, you let the students know that, you know, they can cheat the system, but they're going to have to really try to figure it out. But it's nice if you ask them to have drafts of that document as a record and they're keeping records of it, it really makes things easier for them. And when you're wrong about plagiarism, they have the evidence, right? And that I really like is when I, because that happened once I had a student who submitted, I said, this is just, this is almost, you know, native level. And the student could, was not the best speaker in the world. And they said, okay, here are my drafts. And I looked at the drafts and then I said, this is, this is, you're, you're quite an excellent writer. And then I finally said, okay, look, I just have to do this because it's so unusual. And I asked them what the words mean, or I created a little gap and they did it. But the great thing was, is that it really helped me prove the negative in that situation. Okay, I'm wrong. And the student got full credit, whereas ordinarily, I think I would have been very likely to have failed the student. And it would have been hard for them to prove that they sure. had rewritten yeah. the document. So that's a real time saver in terms of just bureaucracy paperwork things but go into and explain the that incredible little a-listing trick with gmail that just is fantastic mm, yeah it's we, we, we've done this before i'm, I'm not going to go just into, remind people yeah though. so Don't so the detail just remind people so though. you create for example like uh in gmail like a, a account that you're going to use for your students and and yours is tony sensei or something tony sensei or something like that yeah and then I've got okay. Well, I've got sixteen, seventeen classes, eighteen classes. What, um, what you can do is, <clears throat> is in 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 Gmail, you can create an alias, and you do that with a plus sign. 
So, like for example, I have a first. And what do you mean by alias, Tony? Just so for people, it's a, it's a, it's a um, fake name. Alternative name. It's fake an alternative name. Okay. name. It's it's a, it's a it's a different name that points to the same thing. So, um, I have um, a first period Monday class, and so when I give the students my the email address, it'll be Tony Sensei plus M one Monday first period at gmail.com. Okay, so that's that's the only address that they have. The second period class, they get Tony Sensei plus M2 at gmail.com. So the students submit their work, and then either in Gmail, then you can filter uh, that mail as it comes in. So anything that comes in that has plus M1 goes to a certain location or you can you know, google doesn't have folders but you can filter them out of those but what i do um for that email account i have that all that email forwarded to my quote-unquote regular mail application so for me i i i use mac um yeah, i use the app this is a fantastic function here you're about to describe yeah so and i use the the uh, the mac mail application and in the preferences and in the filters um all this mail is now getting forwarded to my one mail account um and um comes in and i create a filter says okay if anything that's coming in with um m1 I create an, another folder, and then the mail goes directly into that folder. So for each of the classes that are submitting their work digitally, I have a folder set up. So my Monday first period class, all their email comes in uh, in this folder. In addition, the same filter says, okay, when it comes in, what I want you, what computer, I want you to send a response to that person, says, hey, I got your stuff. Um, I haven't looked at it yet, um, but uh, I, I did receive it, so you did everything right, and uh, I'll be grading it or looking at it sometime in the next blah, blah, blah. We, we have, you, you craft your own message, so it gives you an automatic response to the student that says, okay, I got your stuff, and I'll look at it. Um, and then when I go through and look at the responses from mail, I open up their message, and they've got an attachment there, whether it's Word or Pages, whatever it might be. Just select that attachment, hit the shift key, and you get a preview of that. Doc. You don't need to open it up and download it and put, have it put on your scene. Just look at the preview, and that's often all you have to do. And so you can just go through each of those submissions. Okay, next one, next one, next one, next one. Um, I have some large classes that have weekly assignments. This is one of those things that I do to myself, right? Um, classes of 40 to 45 students, each of them submit fairly heavy-duty assignments each week. Um, but I can do the uh, one class of 45 students in, if I'm really, if I really push, maybe an hour. So that's just a little bit more than a minute per student. And that really, really helps. So we, we talked about that before and it's going to kind of hard to condense into this, but that's, um, where we're at, maybe I'll find the link to how we did that and uh, include that in a in the on the web page. And the mail app on Mac, as well as I think Thunderbird and some other mail apps, have this wonderful function where you can actually 
select all of those emails in that folder and have it actually save the attachments. Mm -hmm. Now, here's the real important thing that it takes a long time to get students to do this. Right, <laughs> but it's, it's required. <laughs> I'm not and on forward. that note, thank you. I'm That's not looking wrap. forward to this. <laughs> We're talking about like the start of the new year. I'm not looking forward to this part. Go ahead. Tra training your students. Training your students. What you have to do is you have to have a file naming system. And that's what you're laughing at, right? I'm, I'm getting, laughing at trying to get the students to use that file naming now, system. There's, I've, I, I found only one way is that you're going to find out that if, if you're nice about it, <laughs> you'll have your students submit you know ex you'll explain to them the file naming system and 50 percent will get it right and 50 percent will get it wrong and then you'll explain it again and you'll move up to about 60 percent by the end of the year <laughs> or the semester i'm still getting errors with students because as some people would call it is human nature and i'm just kind of like no it's just inattention to detail you have to come up with a naming system now my my school does not allow us to actually have student information off campus, uh, but I have said that as long as it's um, encrypted, it's okay, but that's too technical for what we're talking about now. So I've created an alternative system, which is similar to yours, Tony. So you use M1 for Monday first period, mm. correct? And so no, as an example, fourth, yeah. Is Friday's F4, right? That's yeah. First off, that's how you describe your classes in any spreadsheet. Don't do it by by name of the class, because you'll know your classes by the period, basically. And that allows right. you to sort really nicely on a spreadsheet. But what that does is it allows you to have privacy. So what I've done is on the enrollment sheet, the role sheet, you'll have student with student number one RB, you know, XD, you know, 8428 or whatever, right? But, well, those numbers are not allowed to go off campus. But the student who's the first student in the class becomes, let's say, M2, Monday, second period, M201. And then I just have them put their first name. So M201, Taro. And you can use either underscore, space, whatever you want. And then week one, HW for homework. And you have to do that on the first class and have students practice by sending it to you as an email. And what I'm going to do this year is I'm going to say, okay, everybody, get your phones out, send me an email, send it to them. This is the email address. And in the body, you're going to say, and I'm going to have them practice, you know, week one homework, week two homework, week three homework, and then have them check each other. And then you say, okay, now save this document. And now you have the correct naming and you copy and paste it, for example. This is one of those things where you're trying to save time, but there's going to be the one student or the two students who screw you up by not getting the file name correct. And then it doesn't sort properly when you're going through and grading it. So that's uh, another thing. It takes 10, 15 minutes of your class, and then you have to repeat it again the following week. But if you don't train your students, there's going to be some of the students who just don't get it for a variety of reasons. And if they send it to you wrong, I, you'll lose your time emailing students by saying your file name is wrong because they can't put, right? You know, mm -hmm, it's crazy, mm -hmm. crazy, crazy. 
But if you do that and you use the like Gmail system and the preview mode that you talked about or the save attachment thing, right. it's great. And you know what? There's no excuse for the student if they're absent. They can get the homework in on time. Right, right, right. They don't need to be. Right. And you've got a timestamp. You've got an automatic timestamp. So the student says, I'm sorry, I couldn't turn the homework. I couldn't do the homework. Well, first off, it's on the web site, right? Mm. You have the submission time. It's, there's no more late homework. You just don't accept late homework because there's no reason for it. They can't lose their homework. And when the student says, I forgot, you just say, well, you know, you, you've got the website, but you've got to train them to do it. So there's the little bit of investment in time. And it's a pain, especially for semester-long classes, not year-long classes, because it takes a while to train students. The other thing, moving on, um, spreadsheets are probably the one thing. And if you're not using spreadsheets, you should. But spreadsheets are the one thing that will save you the most time. And then after you've learned to use spreadsheets in the incredibly infinite ways that they can be used, the other habit that you have to get into is you have to enter your data right away. Don't wait until you have like a pile of papers to grade and then start entering your data. And the other thing, um, time saver, is if you're using a laptop, buy the little numeric pad, USB or wireless numeric pad, so you can enter the numbers really easily. Uh, that's a time saver. Learn how to use the preferences for like Excel so that when you hit enter, either the cursor goes to the next cell down or the next cell over. That'll save you a lot of time too. And Tony, should we put in a plug here for Text Expander? Absolutely. That was text. one of the next things on my list. Um, we still Let's have. Let's talk um, about just apps that are absolutely necessary. Um, there's Text Expander, and I want to talk about password management. Okay. Okay. So, okay. Okay. Text. Yeah. Text Expander. Yeah. And we still have text expansion. A, yeah. A thirty percent discount for our listeners, and there'll be a link on the page. Um, but yeah, it's. We've talked about it before. It's a, it's a no-brainer. There's no reason not to use it. It's fantastic. Um, and then you were talking about saving time. Um, it's once you learn how to use it, it is un yeah unquestionably it will save you hours a week. If you're doing any kind of repetitive answering uh, questions to students or evaluation comments and so forth and so on. Um, it's it's uh, a, a little miracle uh, and can't recommend it highly enough. Hmm. And there are different text expansion services, but what's really great is that somebody says, well, why can't I just copy and paste? And you try to explain, well, it's the difference between copying and pasting an email to somebody or just hitting two keys or three keys on your keyboard and then having fields that can be set automatically. So that can be set for the date or... You can use that to set the homework assignment. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, and choices of dozens or hundreds of things to slash to sort of copy and paste, right? Yeah, again, something that takes a while to learn, but once you learn it, in fact, um, Text Expander has the statistics, the monthly statistics, mm -hmm. doesn't it? You send yes, that it me. does. <laughs> yeah, I think you sent that out onto your mailing list once about. Yeah, it says, uh, yeah, this 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 month you've saved 160 hours <laughs> using Text <laughs> Expander. <laughs> 
Yeah, and it tells you how many keystrokes. And so, by the way, if you're thinking about health and you're looking at repetitive stress injuries. Yeah, it's, it's so, it's so right? many benefits, so many benefits. Right, yeah. And the other app I want to talk about, and we don't have any discount for people, maybe we should contact them, but mm. is something, um, is a one password for Mac, I think also for Windows, but there are different password management apps available. And what a password um, management app does, is it just saves all your passwords in an encrypted private file. And so you, you don't, have, so you don't have to type them into your spreadsheet. <laughs> it's, yeah, you. Yeah, I'm sorry. I you just do not do that. <laughs> of course not. It's a terrible. You idea. know what? Well, I went to. It's a terrible once. idea. Who told you to do that? It's a terrible idea. I well, yeah. Who told you to do that? That guy. That guy should really. You know, somebody should talk to that guy. But I went to a school once. I said, "Look, I need my my login password." And I watched as the the administrative person opened up a spreadsheet with every teacher's password. Uh, I just looked and I said, uh, yeah, and all of it, I'm sure, uh, unencrypted. Uh, excuse me. Uh, no, right. No, it wasn't encrypted. Oh, Jesus. I just watched, I just watched them click on the file. And even if the file had been encrypted, the contents were not, right? Sure. Or something like that. I don't know. It was really weird. I don't even know if what I just said made any sense. But Password Manager, what's really great and where it gets really incredible is usually when you use a, a password manager, let's say you go to a website and you have to type in your user ID and your password, you just click on an icon and it will fill in that password and user ID for you. But sometimes you have to type in the password for your password manager. But if you have uh, something like an iPhone or an iPad that has... Um, what touch is ID. it? Fingerprint? Touch, touch ID. ID. It's great. You just oh, touch fantastic. it and yes, yes, yes. And speaking of, of things, this is maybe the only reason that I'm finally going to buy an Apple Watch. Did you know this? That if you have an Apple Watch, it will unlock your computer for you? Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. Yeah. But when I sit down to my computer, I don't have to type my password in anymore. Correct. I have to find out if that the Apple Watch somehow connects to the one password on the computer and that you just like tap it or something. That would that's the only reason that the touch bar is tempting, the Mac computer touch bar, because I think it has a touch ID in it, right? Yes. And that but that's that's but that's anyway. temporary. I mean facial recognition is gonna supplant that very quickly. I yes, think. it's gonna be great. But there's no reason. Those two things, I think, a text expansion <laughs> app and a password manager app. Um, and the built-in one for Apple for Safari or Keychain is really just not the smoothest working. Um, it's better than app. nothing, but it's nothing. It's, it's nothing better like than the nothing, others, but there's right? a lot that's better. Yeah. So and what? Yeah, those are things. we could do like a whole show just like on one password because not only does it do um, the passwords, but also does things like identities. Like, say, so for example, for me, I've got you know Tony in Japan and Tony in Chicago. Um, it's got credit cards. It's got secure notes. Um, you can, uh, for example, and all, all this is encrypted and secure, right? And you can like do things like scan your, your, your Gaijin card or your driver's license, um, and have all those things there and, and available at, with just a click and, um, all very, very secure. Uh, things like, you know, copy of your passport, uh, those types of things. It's a, fa it's a fantastic tool. We should um, do. We should do a show on that. Yeah, right. It's, we should. It's, yeah, we some a handful of major tools. We, we do like text expander. The different ways that we use that one password and maybe another one. Like maybe three kings. <laughs> the three kings of software, and I do like in in depth dive on those things. That would um, be a good idea. 
Yeah, I've got just a couple of fast ones because we are running out of time, Go. right? Um, and this this sounds, and these are um, maybe both somewhat a little bit related. Um, time on the train, time on the pl- waiting for trains on platforms, sitting in traffic. Um, caveat: if and when you want to find a way to work, and a big caveat, right? Um, it can be a real because we spend all kinds of times on trains. We spend all kinds of times waiting for trains, or and some of us drive, and we're we're sitting in traffic. Um, find a way to make that time useful, whether it's like you know you're you're sitting still in traffic at a stoplight, um, dictating into 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 a file using you know, using a phone or a you know, earpiece or whatever it might be. Um, or whether you're on the train or platform, get yourself a device where you can work when you want to. But um, I want to, again, big caveat, it's like, um, if that's what you need, um, time is not just about time for work. Time is also time for yourself. And it might mean, no, um, find a way to make those train rides more bearable. Like Maybe buy yourself a good set of headphones. So you can listen to music on the way home. Maybe you want to work. Maybe you don't. You need to carve out space for your own mental health, too. Um, and that's a, a real big part of that. And we don't have a lot of it. So when you do have that time for yourself, um, find a way to make it count because <laughs> you deserve it. Um, and the other thing, the la- last thing, I, maybe for me, because I were short and it's not really related, but. Um, it's also kind of anti-intuitive. Um, be careful <laughs> about um, preparing too far in advance <laughs> um, because you might find that, okay, like for example, right now, right, classes are still, as we record, are still a little bit in the future. Um, you can sit down and like work all day and, and, and plan something out but you know what? If you're doing it for the second week of the semester, by that second week of the semester, not only will you likely have forgotten most of what you were thinking, you might even forgot that you did it and end up doing it again. <laughs> Believe me, I've done it. <laughs> I've done I've it. Never done that. I've never done that. Never, <laughs> so, never, never. So avoid, you know, you know, think about it, plan, and don't do too much in advance because you'll end up repeating tasks or you'll do something that you, you forgot what you've already done. Um, it's you know, our minds and our lives are dynamic. They're not static. And something that makes all the sense in the world today can be very, very different, like two weeks or three weeks from now. Um, and that you certainly don't want to do things more than once. <laughs> um, and again, I've done it. Sounds stupid and impossible. Doesn't matter. I've done it. <laughs> and I think okay. that's all I got. I got two more things go okay the first the one i kind of mentioned about your your website is running things through a vocabulary analyzer to make sure that the level's easy make sure that you're writing short sentences for any document that the students need that's going to be possibly referred to later in cases of trouble so for example if you have a plagiarism document i strongly suggest you write that as simply as possible or to do the best thing is if you're not good at japanese like me Find somebody to help you write that so that 
it's in Japanese and it's clear to the students so that there's no misunderstandings, mm. especially like class policies. Like I'm, I'm very, very lucky to have one school that provides us that service <laughs> multiple times a semester. Um, but, but they're very, very concerned about plagiarism. And we get the notice in English, we get the notice in Japanese, and they say, share this with the students two right. or three times but, a semester. It's great. And it's great. It's really important that a document like plagi about plagiarism is in Japanese. Because yep. then there's you got to, you just turn to the student and say you you read it and I I agree with the people who have the students sign the paper. Okay. And yep. Yep. they give you the paper and you say hey it's in That's Japanese nice. you read yeah. it and you signed it and yeah. therefore you have you can't say I didn't understand this right you and it's you know so have that in Japanese so important documents super simple English or in Japanese and the other thing. I've done it a little bit, but I'm going to my goal for this. This is the one thing, um, my one change in my teaching this year that I'm going to do is I'm going to take pictures throughout the class of the of the the board, the whiteboard or the chalkboard. Okay, good. And I'm going to post those onto the website for that day's class, so that students mm. can see what went on the mm. board. Because I think I've had some feedback from students that on the days that I've done that they really appreciated it, huh. and it makes it doesn't make cool. any sense to anybody who wasn't there. But at least I can say, hey, here's what happened in the class. Here are the uh -huh. words that we uh -huh. wrote on the board. Uh -huh. Here are the diagrams, etc. So I'm going to do that. So I think, but we've gone over pretty long. So I think it's a good time to close up shop for today. Yeah, I got, I got two small points. One oh, is go ahead, please. Yeah, yeah, they're they're fast. Um, talking about like cutting, 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 and, and you know, of course, should go without saying, but uh, just a word of caution. Uh, be sure that you're cutting and you're, uh, you know, all the things that you're, you know, trying to trim and things um, doesn't adversely uh, affect uh, your the quality of your teaching, right? Uh, you need to be ruthless with the time that you spend on everything, but um, step back, take a look at the full impact of the changes you're making. Um, may may actually make the, the the teaching better may improve the quality like like this podcast maybe if we talked a lot less nah, no a lot way, better no way total waste <laughs> but, of time but you yes. know you're cutting things take a look is it, is it making it better is it making it worse or, or you know is it the same and you're just being able to save some time so um don't you know throw out the baby with the bathwater and take the take the big picture and uh uh, very fast. I, I don't know if I if you've been getting copies of this, but uh, uh, listener Alejandro um talked about um the, the links on the webpage, and he was you know, kind of not not he necessarily, but people might be concerned that um the, the links you know don't aren't it's not clear where you're going. He just turned us onto a tool, and I'll I'll put the um the link on on the webpage and things. But um, it's a it's a tool that uh. When you get like a shortened link, like a Google or a Bitly um, shortened link, uh, this tool will tell you where exactly where it's going, so you're not going to like a, a porn site in Russia or um, some other phishing attempt stuff. I'd like to, th I like to think that our listeners trust me enough that I'm not going to send you to one of those sites. But um, yeah, it's, it's the internet, right? It doesn't, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't hurt to be uh, cautious and things. But so if you're, it all come up across a. Uh, a suspicious link and it's something that you're not a complete sure of going to this wipe this website will actually show you exactly where you're being redirected so thank you Alejandro mm. and I'll put that up on the website
Okay. And the, I'm just going to echo, and this is the last thing I'm going to say, what you just said is, you know, cutting the fat, so to speak. Mm. And you want to be careful. But I think the basic question um, I have to ask myself is, does the amount of time invested kind of, is it justified by the return, the learning return? And that is usually very shocking to find out that it's not. Remember that the learning return has to have enough significance to you and the students to justify the amount of time you're doing it. And that especially works for when you're creating homework assignments. And, and we're, we're going to talk get, about that, yeah, talk about that, that later. Yeah, we're going to do that future episodes, right? Yeah. Right. But yeah, you know, it's really, it's return on investment. It's, uh, you know, is it really worth the time? So I'm okay there, Tony. I think I've pretty much talked about the stuff I do that saves me time. Just to just just to again underscore what what you just said, um, a lot of time we were talking about like saving time, and if you, we didn't do that much about saving time in the classroom, we had a couple of things that will you know will, will you know, come up later on in the thing. But yes, um, the thing is, if this again counterintuitively, if we as the teacher are actually doing less, that kind of almost implies that the students are doing more. Mm-hmm. And so, and so, the more time that you can cut out, <coughs> excuse me, coming out of your teaching, those seconds, minutes can be then used for students doing more, and and I think maybe learning more. So, um, it's worth you know we you know this time you still maybe have a couple of days before classes begin. Um, it's worth taking a look and saying, okay, is. This, is there this little block of time? Is there is there a better way to use that? Um, you know, do I you know do I need this joke, etc. <laughs> uh, etc. Et but yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, and looking at the big picture, and seeing how changing our behavior can affect our classes and things. Right, and what we can do is we're going to planning to do at some point another episode on stuff you can do during class that saves you time Mm. we've Mm. pretty much covered stuff outside of class managing Mm. the class dealing with the class but we'll talk about you know how to use group work and other kinds of activities to measure student performance that'll save teachers an incredible amount of time of work as well yeah that was was, was some of the things that i had too yeah all right right. but that's we covered basically what you could do out of class yep you're right. But we'll do another episode where we do say, okay, if you do this in class, this is going to save you a lot of time. Yep. Okay. All right. Charles Wiz. Tony Silva. Two teachers talking everywhere. That's right. And <laughs> we'll talk to you soon, Tony. Okay, guys. Have a good year. Um, good luck, it again, huh? Good luck. Hope you get a luck of the draw with your students. <laughs> yes. Okay. Be well, Tony. All righty. Bye-bye.